Hello, welcome. Welcome to River Glen. My name is Isaac uh, Morris, and I'm the middle school pastor here at River Glen, if we haven't met. Um, and I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. It's a good weekend. Uh, it looks like we're getting a little bit of cold in, so it looks like winter's finally coming. Anybody set up for Christmas yet? No? A couple people? No, uh, we did today, so you can blame my wife for that one. Um, but hey, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I hope you guys are excited for another weekend. Um, whether you're here at Waukesha or at Pewaukee or online, um, I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, we're in this series, A New You. Uh, we've been going through the book of Romans, uh, 6, 7, and 8, those three chapters uh, right there. And in those chapters, we see some of Paul's best work. Uh, we see some of Paul's, really his best life advice and best advice that he has for us as we walk um, through our journey. Um, and and the, the section we look at today, it, it's, it's just like the others. It's really applicable to any, any walk of life that you're in, uh, whether you're new to faith, whether you have no clue uh, what your faith is as if, and if you believe, or whether you have been a follower for a long time. There's something in these two verses that I think we can all take away. Um, it's, it's really a great passage, um, but before we jump in, I, I just want to pray first really quick. So who would bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for a time just to, to come and be in your presence and, and worship and hear your word, God. And I pray that we, we hear uh, your message. We hear what you are calling us to, and, and your words stay firm in our hearts and in our minds, God. It's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, uh, to start off, I actually just want to dig right into the scripture. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Romans 8, 5, and 6. Um, it's also going to be on the screens, but let's read this together. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds, I want you to see that word, keyword there, set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds, there it is again, set on what the Spirit desires. The mind, again, governed by the flesh, is death. But the mind, one last time, is governed by the spirit is life and peace. So today, I don't know if you can guess, but we may be talking about something specific, and that's our minds, right? Paul is telling us something here. For Paul, this well-respected author, somebody who wrote quite a bit of scripture, for him to say this word mind four times in these two verses, I think it's gotta, it's gotta mean something, right? It's gotta mean like, hey, pay attention. I'm saying something here that's really important, and it's gotta do with your minds. But I think it's so often that we can look at this passage uh, or look at verses like this and be, be kind of bored. Maybe we can kind of say, you know, I, I get that, Paul. That's, that's kind of the basis of a lot of Christian thought, right? A lot of Christian messages and sermons, they end around this idea of, yes, I want to follow after God's plan, not the world's, right? That's an easy concept that we've heard probably quite often. And I think we can be mistaken if we think that this passage is just saying that. That's a good message, though, right? That's true. Yes, follow after what God wants, not what the world wants. But I think Paul is saying something a little more specific. Being a follower of Jesus does mean following after God and not the flesh. But he's saying something that has to do with our minds, right? And our minds, they're incredible gifts, right? The mind is really, I, you know, you can't understand it. We can't understand what our minds can do because there's so much power. The, the fact that we can memorize things from when we were kids years and years ago, it's, it, it baffles me. It's crazy. Our minds are so powerful. God has given us such a gift. And I think Paul is telling us here, like, hey, take care of this gift. Your mind is important. Let's read verse 5 again. All right. So it says, uh, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. 
but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. Now this phrase, to set your mind on, to set your mind on, it means to think specifically or to have a specific thought or opinion towards something. It means to think specifically, to have a specific opinion or attitude. Therefore, in this verse, we're seeing a large divide, a big contrast in the way we think, right? To set your mind on the things of the spirit or to set your mind on the things of the flesh. To think specifically on the things of the spirit or to think specifically on the things of the flesh. It's a big difference. It's a big contrast. And that's what Paul is telling us. It's a big difference. And we have to, we have to know the difference so that we can be aware of it. All right. And, and so what's encapsulated within this idea of our thoughts? Kind of, kind of a weird thing to think about is our own thoughts. And I think logically it's what we think about, but more specifically, our thoughts are our dreams and our goals, our aspirations for life, maybe the things that we, we look forward to, the things we remember, those are the things we think on, right? Our point of view, our attitude, that is what we think on, right? And so if that's true, I think the one who thinks on the things of the flesh is going to be preoccupied by the things of the flesh, and they're going to think on those things. They're going to have dreams and goals of things that, are, that have to do with the world and have to do with our own self, maybe dreams and goals of success and fame, money, you know, whatever it is that you have dreamed for yourself. And then maybe you have desires of things that you want, maybe not what God wants for you, right? That's a desire of the flesh is something we want, but not necessarily what God wants. We think about the things of the world too often, or, or maybe we have attitudes of negativity or pride, selfish points of view. But then on the other side, the contrast, the complete opposite side is what God wants us to think about. If we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, then our mind will become preoccupied on the things of the Spirit, His desires, God's goals, the Spirit's desires and goals and aspirations for your life, what He wants for you. That's what happens when we set our minds to the things of the Spirit. And in return, what comes out of our soul and our life when we do that is that we become better Christians. Right? We become better followers of Jesus when we set our minds to the things of the Spirit. We, we, get, we get preoccupied with His desires and His goals. And so, in return, we become better people. We become better fathers, better mothers, better brothers, sisters, children, better friends. And that's what we're here to do, right? We're here to become better followers of Jesus. These two vastly different ways of thinking, we must acknowledge them. But what comes with them? What's the outcome of thinking these two different ways, right? If you remember, verse 6 kind of gives us the answer. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. That's the outcome. Paul, Paul gave us the answer already. He's saying, listen, I'm giving you the answer. If you set your mind to the things of the flesh, the outcome is death. But if you set your mind to the things of the spirit, you will experience life and peace. Life and peace. That's what I want letting our mind be on the things of the world. We become preoccupied with the world, and in that we will experience death. That's what he's telling us. And not just an etern or a, a current death, but an eternal death, a separation from God in death. That's what we see throughout Scripture is that when we follow after the world, we will die and be eternally separated from God. And that's a scary thought. But not just internally and not just eternally, but also externally. We will experience death in life. The things we find joy uh, in the world, they won't be as joyful if we, if we set our mind to the, uh, to the flesh. 
The job you have, it won't ever be good enough. You'll always want the next job. The house you have, it's not going to be good enough. The, the friends you have, it'll never be enough. The followers on Instagram or social media, it will never be enough. Right? When we set our minds to the things of the world, we're always going to be reaching and wanting something more. But when we set our minds to the Spirit, we find enough through Him. That's what we're told throughout Scripture. The outcome of finding the Spirit and being set to the Spirit is life and peace. And what comes with life and peace is an eternal life and peace with God in heaven. He's got a seat with a, for, right next to Him in heaven that He's waiting for us to accept. Right? That's the outcome of thinking and setting our mind to the Spirit. That's what we get. John 5, 24, it's a great verse. It says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, right? Eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. From death to life. It's a complete contrast. It's so different. Death and life, they're, they're vastly different, right? Death and life are not the same thing. And so we have to make a decision. What do we want, right? We have to make the decision, what, which side do we want to choose? They're two different things, and we have to make that decision. And the hard part about that decision is we're constantly being pulled towards the things of the flesh. That's a consequence of being human, right? Being human, we're constantly being pulled towards the things that, that we think will help satisfy us now. We're constantly being pulled towards the things of the world that we think will fill us up now, right? But God tells us something different. God tells us that if we make the effort, that if we don't sit idly by in our sin, that if we don't sit idly by in the death that comes with the world, if we make the effort, we can experience true life and true peace, right? We have to make the effort. That's the key, right? So how do we make that effort? I would say that most of us, hopefully, we want to make the effort to have life and peace and not live in our death and stay in our death. And so I think it's time we say no to sitting by in our death. And, and the challenge today is to take our minds back. That's what we're going to talk about today is how do we take back our minds? If that's the case, if what Paul is saying is true, if we can either set our minds to flesh or set our minds to spirit, then we have two choices. And I think it's time that we need to take our minds back and give them to the spirit. That's how I feel. And I hope you feel the same way. And so to do that, I think we have to decide and figure out who and what is taking our minds from us, right? If it's a battle, if we're going back and forth, we got to pick and we have to decide, man, I need to see either who is taking my mind from me or do I just give it to them and just forget about it. And I think if we're going to take it back, we have to know who is taking it from us. And I personally believe that we have three enemies. Three things are, are people that are trying to take away our minds from the Holy Spirit and from what he wants. The first is the devil. The second is the world. And the third is ourselves. The first one is the devil. Second is the, the world. And the third is ourselves. Three worthy opponents. All right. We have three people fighting us, all fighting at the same time. And we have a battle. We have a battle to fight right now. And we have to fight back. And Levi Lusco, he's an author and pastor. He's got some really good books and great messages, but he has a book called I Declare War. I invite you, if you haven't read it, I invite you to go read this book. It's a really good one. And he talks about this idea of, of starting a battle against the world, starting a battle to win our lives back for God. 
And I love that idea. And I think it's time maybe that we look at this and decide, I need to declare war. I need to declare war against these three worthy opponents that are, are fighting us and fighting the spirit. I think it's time that we need to declare war against them. And declare war, that means something, right? You don't declare war if you're just passive about something or if you're not interested in making effort. To declare war means I'm going to step into action. The word declare means to emphatically state or communicate. So if we're going to declare war, it means I'm going to emphatically do something. And I think it's time. I think it's time that we need to emphatically state or communicate that we are at war with the world, that we're at war with the devil, and that we're even at war with ourselves. So the first one we're going to look at, first one is the devil. We need to declare war against the devil, right? And so what do we need to do to take our minds back from him? Uh, well, I think you can look at 1 Peter 5 um, and, and see kind of, and be walked through this section, verses 8, 9, and 10, and kind of see what uh, Peter is saying here. All right, so in verse 8, we, we kind of get the lowdown on what the devil's doing. It says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour, right? We see what the devil is doing. He's waiting for you. He's seeking to devour you. He's waiting for you to slip up. He's waiting for you to think you can do it by yourself. He's waiting for you to abandon God's plans and to go after what you want, right? He's seeking to devour. And that's kind of scary. That's not the most exciting thing, but we now know. We now know who he is and where he is. The next verse, verse 9 says, resist him firm in your faith. I want you to say to somebody next to you, firm in the faith, all right? That's the key, firm in the faith, all right? Firm in the faith, and that means having confidence in God, taking back our confidence in God that we so often, I think, forget about. We so often think we can do it ourselves, right? But being firm in the faith means having confidence in God. And after we stand firm in our faith, the verse continues, verse 9, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the kinds of suffering, the, the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So resist him, firm in the faith. We know who the devil is and what he's doing. He's prowling. So be aware, be aware, and then resist him being firm in your faith, having confidence in God, the most powerful thing in the world, the only thing that can defeat the devil, and that's God. We can't do it without him. But then, right there, acknowledge that we're not alone, right? Acknowledge that we're not alone. It's hard. Life's hard, right? We all experience things in life that aren't easy, but we're in good company when it's hard. There's people all over the world that are experiencing things that are hard. And what Paul is saying here, he's not, he's not saying what you have going on in your life isn't hard. He's not saying, you know, there's people everywhere struggling. He's not trying to make you feel less about what you're going through, but he's saying, don't do it alone because other people are there too. We don't have to fight alone. Any fight that we have, any battle we have, we don't have to go into war alone. It's a pretty hard war if we try to hit, uh, go at it ourselves, right? There's people around us, there's people in this room, in your small groups and in the community that, that would love to fight with you, to fight this battle. We don't have to do it alone. And then verse 10, it finishes it off and it says, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Allow God to restore your life. Allow him to confirm his love for you. Allow him to strengthen you and to give you community and to give, him your, and to give you himself. Allow him to be your backbone in the hard times. Allow him to be in your life. 
and he will establish you as a child of God, right? That's how we resist the devil. It's we gotta take these steps, we have to acknowledge it, but we don't have to do it alone, right? Lean on God, allow him to do these things in your life, and that's how we start to take our minds back from the devil. So that's the first one. Next and second is the world. We need to declare war against the world. What do we need to do to take our minds back from the world? Well, the world has set up standards for us, right? It's set up standards for us that say we have to have this job, right? We have to make this much money, have this big of a house, you know, have, have this going on in our lives. The world is constantly throwing things at us. It's hard. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety. Maybe on top of anxiety is COVID anxiety. Maybe on top of that, you're struggling with, with gambling, with shopping, with social media, with an addiction to alcohol or drugs, whatever it is. The world throws things at us, and what they're saying with these things is, hey, look, this is going to make you happy, right? These things will give you peace. These things will give you life. Well, what God says and what Paul is saying in this verse is the only thing that gives you life and peace is him. It's the spirit. And simply put, not simply done, we have to get rid of the flesh and get rid of what the world wants and start seeking what God wants in our lives. Start seeking what the Spirit wants for us. We have to stop listening and know that the only thing that will make us complete is God. It's His Spirit. We cannot allow the world to have our minds because the world's view of success and joy is broken. It's a broken one. We must fight back against the world. And to do that, we have to stand firm. Be firm in the faith. Fight back against these things and know who God is, right? Follow after God and live with his spirit. All right, and then lastly, surely not least, but lastly is the third one, and that's ourselves. We need to declare war against ourselves. And I think this one is sometimes the hardest because it's the closest to us, obviously, right? This is the hardest because we often neglect it because we think, you know, we have everything out here we got to worry about, but so often we forget we have to worry about what's in here and what's in here, right? And that's what Paul is saying here is, well, be careful with our minds, but we need to declare war against ourselves. Our own desires and thoughts are far from what God intends, and we must let our minds live according to the Spirit, as Paul says, right? Have you guys heard this quote, you are what you eat, right? Anybody heard that quote? Nobody? You are what you eat? Come on, yeah, everybody. Everybody's heard that quote. I hope so. That's a good quote. But did you know that that quote comes from a French chef? Uh, I don't know how to say his name. It's very French, so I can't pronounce it. But in the early 1800s, he wrote a book called The Philosophy of Taste. The Philosophy of Taste. How scientific, I guess. I don't know. But he wrote this book, and it had this quote in it, but it's actually translated to a, different, to a different way of saying it. It's translated to, you are, or it's not what you are, what you eat, but it's, tell me who, what you eat, and I will tell you who you are. Tell me what you eat, and I will tell you who you are. All right? And I think, I think God and Paul may be saying something to us often, right? Paul, Paul's saying, tell me what you fill your mind with, and I'll tell you who you are. Right? Think about that. I know it's a stretch, but, I mean, it's a known fact. If you eat healthier, you'll feel healthier. You'll feel better, right? You'll feel more energized. You'll be ready for the day. And if you eat fattier foods, you'll probably become fattier, right? I eat a lot of gummy worms, so hopefully I don't become a gummy worm. But, you know, who knows? You are what you eat. But this idea, this idea of you are what you eat, it translates so well to this idea of our minds. Because if you put the word your mind in it, it is tell me what's in your mind and I'll tell you who you are. 
And so I think it's time we take some interest into what we fill our minds with ourselves, right? What do we put our minds, or what do we put in our minds? When I was a kid, my dad uh, was pretty strict. Not like super strict, but he had, some, he had some things that was just like, you know, black and white. He was very strict. And for so long, I was so mad. You know, he wouldn't let me watch some shows on Nickelodeon, or he wouldn't let me listen to the pop radio station, right? It was always like worship music or Reliant K, you know, the classics. But I was so mad and I neglected it when I got into high school. I started to think I could do it my own way. You know, I was big, I was a grown man now, so I had everything figured out, right? So I'd go to a friend's house and I'd listen to that music with them or I'd watch those TV shows and, and watch the things I knew that probably weren't good for me. All the while, when I was home, my dad was reaffirming that those things that I was filling my mind with weren't good. We'd listen to worship music or watch movies that, that weren't full of crude language and, and crude behavior, right? But when I was with friends, I found myself living in that way that I was seeing. I found myself, the outcome of what I was putting into my brain was that I was acting that way. Thinking the behaviors I had were okay, thinking the words I was saying were okay, thinking the life I was living was okay. And it was because I was filling my mind with those things so much that I was becoming what I was eating. More literally, I was becoming what I was thinking on. I was acting the way I was because of what I was consuming. Like I said earlier, our minds are so precious. The ability of our minds is crazy, and we truly can't understand them. And so that's why I think we got to take some interest into what we're putting in it, right? Are you filling your mind with the things of the world? Are you sitting on social media all day? Are you watching TV shows filled with crude language and behavior? Are you listening to music that has to do with sex and success and money? Are we living by the world's standards, right? We're so often thrown media in our face, right? There's some stats, all right? So uh, an average adult uh, listen, or has screen time from three to four hours a day. It's a lot, all right? I'm probably on the high end there, if I had to admit it. Uh, a student's average time is six to seven hours, and that doesn't include school. Six to seven hours, seven hours. And I mean, for you know, six to eight of those hours, they're asleep. So that's a long time. An average human will we'll go with five hours a day, all right? So five hours a day, if we say you spend on, on some sort of media, that's not just social media, that's phones, that's TV, any time in front of a screen, five hours a day, 35 hours a week, 1,820 hours a year, and 75 days of the year. 75 days, 24-hour days of the year we spend in front of some sort of screen we get some sort of media 75 days, full days of a year. That's a lot, right? And that's gonna make an impact. That's gonna make an impact of what is coming out of your mind is if you're putting that much in your mind. And I think that the majority of the media that's thrown at us probably isn't what God intends for us. And now I'm not saying social media and TV are bad things. Like, I like TV, I watch a lot of TV shows, probably too many, and I get caught up in series and binge watch all the time. I fill my mind with those things too, and this is something I have to be aware of because not everything that's necessarily good, it's not bad, but not everything that's good is godly. Not everything that's good is godly. Not everything that is good is necessarily what God wants me to be spending my time doing. A lot of what the media is spitting at us is not what he intends for us. And so I have a question. I want you to think about it really intently. What do you fill your mind with? 
What are the things that you're constantly filling your mind with? It's hard. It's hard to think about. Because when I think about it, at least when I reflect on it, I think I need to be a little more careful. I think I need to pay a little bit more attention to what I'm filling my mind with and what I'm doing with my time. Are you filling your mind with the things of the world? Are you filling your mind with the things of the Spirit? Are you filling your mind with the, that TV show? That's just so crude, but it's so funny and you can't resist it, you know? Are you filling your mind with that musician who you just think his music's great, but it probably doesn't have the best uh, moral meaning in it, right? Or are you filling your mind with prayer? Are you filling your mind with scripture, with the word of God, with worship, with praises, with adoration to the king? Are you filling your mind with love and with grace? What are you filling your mind with? It's hard. Now, let me tell you, if you're filling your mind with the things of the Spirit, though, you're going to make it a whole lot harder to live by the, by the flesh, right? I think if you're, if you're worshiping God, it's going to make it a whole lot harder to worship the world. It's really hard to worry and worship at the same time. It's really hard to sing praises and sin at the same time. It's really hard to read scripture and think about how many likes you have on that social media post at the same time. And it's even harder to hate yourself when you know you're loved by the king, right? When we've set our minds to the things of the spirit, it's hard for us to set our minds to the things of the flesh. It's harder. And that's why it's so important. But, but if you aren't filling your minds with the things of the spirit, you're at a bigger disadvantage than you already were. You're at a bigger disadvantage than you already were because like we talked about earlier, we all sin and fall short. We're already broken. We already sin and we mess up. And so if we aren't setting our minds to the things of the spirit, then we're at a disadvantage bigger than what we already are we're being a human. Paul says in Romans 7.15, I talked about it last week, it says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. That's a tongue twister, but there's a lot of truth in that. Because Paul, this, this one of the most respected followers of God, he, he can't figure it out. He can't even figure it out. He's broken. He falls short. But guess what? Paul doesn't sit idly by. Paul doesn't sit by idly by and say, you know what? I sin. No effort needed. You know, I'm just going to live in my sin. What Paul does is he takes that and he says, you know what? I'm going I'm to spread the word of God because that's the only thing I can do. I'm going to spread the word of God because that's what I'm called to do. Despite my brokenness, despite how, how broken I am, God has called all of us, despite how broken we are, to spread his name. We don't understand, and it's hard sometimes. We don't understand what we do, but Christ forgives us, but we also have to make the effort. We can't sit in our sin and sit by and just say, you know what, yeah, I'm broken. I can't do anything now. God mends broken pieces. He mends broken hearts, and he wants you to go and seek his people and love his people. Set your minds to the things of the Spirit so that you can follow after him and not follow after the world. It's hard, but man, we got to declare war. We got to declare war against the devil, against the world, and against ourselves. It's time, guys. It's time to take back our lives and give them over to God and to live according to the Spirit and not to the flesh. And once we do that, once we do that, that's when we can proclaim the good news. That's when we can proclaim that we are new, created new, new creations through Him, a new you, right? 
Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, right? When we set our lives towards the Spirit, we get to proclaim that. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. That's the proclamation we get to make when we set our minds to the Spirit. And that's the proclamation that we take to the world, right? It's Christ that lives in me. It's His Spirit that flows out of me. It's His love. It's His joy. It's His peace. That's what we got to take. We got to take that to the world. That's what we're called to do. And that's how we become a new creation. Fight back. Declare war. Find peace and life through Jesus. We don't have to experience the death that is the world. Say no to the flesh and say yes to the spirit. I know it's hard, but lean on the people around you. Lean on the spirit of God. Allow him to fill you. And we'll see our lives be transformed. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that we are allowed to, to follow after you despite how broken we are. And I thank you that we're allowed to be used despite how broken we are. Despite how many times we'll fall short, despite how many times we will we'll, we'll never satisfy will never be satisfied by the world. You are the only thing that satisfies us. And God, I pray that we, we seek after you. I pray that our minds are set to you and not to the things of the flesh, God. And I pray that we, we, we sense your presence in our lives and we follow after it with everything we have. God, I thank you for this message and for this truth of who you are. It's in your name I pray. Amen.